Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Cole Patchell, who is the president of CRA and its affiliate companies like Pipe Search. And they're built on their commitment to being the fastest, most reliable quality mill provider of corrosion resistant alloy pipe and tube in the world, as well as having a training platform that allows them to be the world's most reliable and trusted source of quality surplus. Welcome to the show, Cole. Well, thank you for your kind introduction and look forward to spending some time with you. Yeah, you guys have been so successful. You keep expanding. I am curious, you know, your background. I wonder which part of it do you think has helped you succeed so well? I don't know whether it's because you started working in the pipe yard at age 15 or if it was you are an international traveler. You start your career in Azerbaijan and Dubai. And then finally, you joined your father at CRA. And then you spent the six months of the year visiting customers in over 50 countries. So that's a lot of cultures that you saw. But what do you attribute to the success you've had as a leader? Yeah, really, really good question. And you know, I think one of the things that from an early age, I was attracted to getting to know different people and in, in different places. And, you know, pipe is our product that we sell, whether we manufacture it or trade it through our trading platform. But, you know, I look at this as uh, pipe is just a vehicle by which I get to get the opportunity to make relationships in a lot of different parts of the world with a lot of different people. It's really opened up my eyes on a world beyond the USA I think many people growing up here in Houston don't have the opportunity to to see the rest of the world like I have. And I am passionate about our business, but I think I'm more passionate about the the relationships that I've been able to build and, and maintain as a result of it. Yeah. Well, which is quite interesting to me because you have done exceptionally well being a trader and uh and turning things around by those skills. And typically, someone who's very successful as a trader is not necessarily successful as a leader. So what do you attribute that to? That's a tough question. Uh, you know, I think you and I have talked a lot about this. I think you've got your leaders within an organization, you have your managers in an organization, and then you have doers. And I think you have people who, who, who do aspects of all three. And you know, I think there was a day as a trader and, and, and really in my transformation from being a trader to leader is that you have to continuously look look at your schedule and say, what do I want to be? How am I going to use my time? And and so I had to start thinking, you know, a little bit differently as as a leader. And so, you know, I've I've had to retrain how I view things, how I look at things, and really just how I how I spend my day. Yeah. Well, and as you said, apparently early on, you also really enjoyed forming relationships. So I'm sure that that helped as well. But was there a moment, you know, where you were like, hey, this is not working as a leader? Was there a blind spot you discovered? So you mentioned early days, the trader, I was single. I had no commitments in life, uh, really, other than my own time. And so I had the ability to work as late as I wanted and get up as early as I wanted. And it really didn't in impact anybody except for me. Now you fast forward a number of years and one of my younger sons came to me and said, dad, am I going to see you today? I think it was a moment was really a, a turning point in my mentality. And I promised myself at a young age in this career that I, I wouldn't be that dad that's not present. And mm. so I think the turning point to me is, you know, you only have a definitive amount of time in, in your day. If you're going to spend some of that time with your loved ones. You know, something has to give. 
you've got to look at your day and the things that you're doing and make sure that that time spent matches what you've prioritized as the things that are most important in your life, professionally and personally. Yes. Children do seem to be <laughs> good motivators for change, they, they, right? <laughs> they have a they have a great way of cutting through all of the noise and putting it in a in a way that just is a dagger to your heart. Yes. Well, I mean, clearly that was the turning point, right? Where you were really committed to making sure you were an effective leader and delegated well. But what are some tips on how do you delegate well? Well, I'm gonna quote the uh, the podcast host, you know, you uh, got a got a phrase, you know, early days, it was on a sticky pad on my desk, but you know, now it's, it's ingrained in my head, progress, not perfection. You know, mm-hmm. so I came from a world of doing, I was doing everything on all of our trading day-to-day inquiries to processing orders and things like that. So I had to look at everything I was doing and, and say, okay, is there somebody that's more capable of doing this within our organization? Is there somebody else where their gifts better align to this than me? And so, you know, old habits die hard. You know, I catch myself every day doing something that I think about, oh, we have somebody who's incredibly gifted at doing this. You know, I've also encouraged our leadership team here to, to call me out. And so we've created an environment where our leadership team is open to receiving very critical feedback. And I think one of the top things that I re- receive is, hey, Cole, this would be better off in somebody else's hands. And so, you know, at first that pricks your pride until you realize you look at the outcome and you see the results and you think, yeah, that is a lot better with somebody else doing it. So, you know, delegation is a process. It doesn't come overnight. I think it comes with intentionality and then also intentionality of your your core team that guides you and, and leads with you. You know, everybody's kind of got to be on the same page on putting an emphasis on making sure your time is in the areas where you've outlined it to be most important. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of leaders can relate to that. So I appreciate your willingness to share that. And then, you know, some leaders are like, oh, I just need to hire someone else. So what's your view on that? And how do you hire people well? Yeah, great question. This has been something that's changed a lot, you know, in our journey at CRA and and affiliate companies. But, you know, I think it starts with picking the right people. And, you know, I think you probably never meet a a company that says that that's not the first place they start. But, you know, what does that process look like? I mean, we have an incredibly robust interview process. It's not abnormal to have spent, you know, 40 pre-hire hours with somebody. Mm -hmm. And, And there's many cases where we've spent that much as an organization and elected not to move forward with with a position or an individual. And so in that robust interview process, it's really about, does this person align with the values, with the mission, the vision of the organization? You know, I, I think that one of the areas that's often overlooked is, you know, somebody has performed really well in an area, but it maybe is against their natural DNA wirings. And so, you know, we kind of have a mentality here that you can't fight natural wirings over time. People can often perform well outside of their natural wirings for a period of time, but it has impact on them, whether it's health or other unintended consequences over time. So, you know, really trying to dig in with those that you're interviewing that what is their natural wiring? What are their natural areas of giftedness? And and does that li- align to the, the skill sets and the wiring needed for that particular role? So that's just to start the journey, you know, and then, um, you know, your, your work's not done 
after you've moved forward with somebody that you've you've thought is aligned, you know, you really have to start investing in them. So it's not abnormal for us to have a six month onboarding time period where somebody comes here and they really don't do anything except for get to know the team, get to know the team in a deep way, understand our roadmap, understand our core values, our mission, our vision. We have a decision-making process here that's called the CRA way. And so six months of, of this in many people's eyes, you think of it as a huge waste of time or it feels slow and it feels slow for that person that's going through onboarding. But we have learned that the more advanced early on work that you can do on these things, it has a significant impact on the backside. And yeah. so, you know, pick the right people, you invest in them. And then I think the third most important part of, you know, making sure you've got the right team as you continue to revisit where you're going. Do we all agree that that's the place that we're all going and, and do we all agree on how we get there? And so we stack hands on this every year. We revisit it every single year. And, you know, there's times where the outcome is, yes, we're in the right spot, you know, and it's the same spot that we were the year before, but there are times where we get there and something big is exposed and we may have all understood it to be the same, but you have a phrase, English isn't always English. There, there's definitely communication gaps that happen even with people you talk to every single day. And so, you know, it's a I would challenge you know, others to continue to revisit where you're going. Are you all on the same page with how you get there and where, what that looks like? Well, thanks for teeing that up for me then to my next question, which is I can imagine that when a crisis comes up, that that would be a moment where you would definitely revisit where you're going and where you're aligned. So how have you made it through crisis? Well, <laughs> One of my first thoughts that came to mind is, is something that my dad used a lot. And he probably will laugh at me for saying this, but you know, fools learn from their own mistakes, wise learn from the mistakes of others. And I've personally had the luxury to be around my father who's been in this business for almost 50 years. You know, so I've seen a little bit of everything, good, bad, ugly, I've seen peaks, I've seen valleys. And I think one of those takeaways is, you know, the sky is never truly falling. I think in the moment of uh, high stress or situations that look like they have quite a few issues or going on or crisis going on is if you look back at it at some point in time, never really is uh, as bad as maybe what you originally thought it was. So I think keeping that attitude and energy across the company that the sky isn't falling is so, so critical. Well, I, I was going to say, because I can imagine that and crisis moments in the whole succession planning too, but you guys are navigating through that beautifully. That's, that's a good comment. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are for a succession within within a family, but you know the stats aren't good, right. and so it's not a matter of if something will be a challenge; it's a matter of when. And uh, you know, we proactively try to fight against that. So you know. We have allocated time in office and out of office preemptive of issues. You know, we're looking for issues may not even be on the table right now. It could be in the horizon. And so, you know, we have a lot of very deep, candid communication about, you know, risk really and risks the silent assassin within an organization. Is there something that we just need to get ahead of and, and better prepare ourselves? And so in a succession environment, I can never do too much to be prepared for that that day. Yeah. Well, I'm curious though, is it a requirement if you want to have good succession to go to the same university as your dad? <laughs> There's a long story on 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 how that ended up and it had 
had actually nothing to do with my dad's endorsement. We both loved our college experience, but you know, we, we landed there on totally different reasons. But yeah, I think if, if there one thing I will warn my son is that, you know, two good experiences like that in a row better not shoot for three. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it's it's also funny because my dad also went to the same university as you guys. So there must be something there. I guess we have some similar uh, similar wirings. <laughs> yes. What did you call it earlier? Natural. Look for the natural wiring. <laughs> natural wirings. You can't yeah. fight it. Yeah. So that as soon as, as early as you can acknowledge how you're naturally wired, the better. And usually it's not always about the good. It's, it's understanding where you're, you know, where there are shortcomings in the wirings. And risks. Yes. Well, I appreciate you, you know, sharing your insights here and, and being open about, you know, your own blind spots too, that you continue to succeed. And I can see why. And if people want to know more about your companies, they can go to pipesearch.com or craalloys.com. And I'll put that in the description. But thanks again for being who you are and leading the way you do. And thanks for all you do to help keep me in check at times and appreciate your voice and reason and, and just encouragement and guidance. So you do a really neat thing here, not just the podcast, but you know the magic you could do with just one-on-one -on -one development with people. So appreciate you.